We began our service of worship this morning with words which I believe are etched on many of our hearts, words which we know by heart. The 23rd Psalm, most familiar to us from the King James Version. I know at least one of you also has these as a needlepoint on your wall. I know this is a passage that we have returned to again and again throughout very meaningful services in our life, most often read as a funeral passage, but which has such a beautiful application for us today. If we listen to it again about helping us understand how to live, let us listen for these words anew this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So friends, probably because um, St. Patrick's Day was this past week, but also for other reasons, Celtic spirituality has been very much on my heart and mind in the last few weeks. And I think that if we return to this practice, which is both incredibly ancient and yet also feels just so fresh and new, if we allow Celtic spirituality and Celtic Christianity to help shape our reading of the 23rd Psalm this morning, I think that we will find so much more than we've ever experienced before. I listened again to Krista Tippett on Being's most beloved interview of all time from 2008. She had a long conversation with John O'Donohue, a, an Irish poet and philosopher and mystic. And the conversation that she had with him happened just before his early death in his 50s. So this was released after he had already died, along with two books of his that were very beloved. And I wanted to share some of that conversation with you and some of his timeless wisdom. This conversation was called The Inner Landscape of Beauty. He, disguise, he discusses how we feel most alive in the presence of what is beautiful. This book that I have of his that I love to bless the space between us is one that I return to when we lead our pastoral team meetings and devotions each week, one that I really treasure. And he talks about how we live as a work of art. He said to Krista Tippett, we have no idea what will land on the shoreline of the morning tomorrow. We are always involved in receiving and shaping. And he also discusses this philosophy that he received from Meister Eckhart. He says that Meister Eckhart said, people so often come to him saying things like, how should I pray? How should I live? What should I do? And he affirms alongside Meister Eckhart that we're neglecting the most important question of all, which is, how should I be? And I wonder if Psalm 23 today 
helps us to get at the answer to that question, how should we be? So, so often, like Jake was saying a few weeks ago when he was talking about how we use Psalm 121 as people are dying and in funerals, it is the same way with Psalm 23, that it is most often known as a funeral text, but there is so much more that can help shape our living. So I wanted to look at it again as an answer to this question, how should I be, and go line by line. So beginning, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We always hear these words, I think, in a certain peaceful way, but there is a chance that these are supposed to be words that completely upend the political order. If you can say that the Lord is your shepherd. Shepherd was often synonymous in the ancient world for king or ruler or even um, emperor. So to say that the Lord is your shepherd, you're, you're saying that you have no other leader. You have no one at all who has any power over you. There is no one who could make you curtsy or bow or salute. So this is a completely countercultural argument. The Lord is my shepherd. To say that is to say to power, the Lord is my shepherd and you aren't. That you are free in your relationship with God. You have no other Caesar, no other boss, no other system that can rule over you. The Lord is my shepherd. You are no one's subject. And then the second line, I shall not want. There are other ways to translate this. In the most famous setting of Psalm 23, the king of love my shepherd is, it proclaims that we lack nothing. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. This is a second completely countercultural claim, even more so today in a capitalist society. To be able to say that you want for nothing that you lack nothing, that you have absolutely everything you need? Can you hear this as part of the answer to how should I be? I should be somebody who can say and mean it, I want nothing more than what I already have. A true sense of gratitude is the most pure way to happiness. I nothing lack, there is nothing that I can need. I have everything that I need because God has already given it to me. So just in this first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, all of the rest of the world falls away. This is how we can be. So going on this image, you become this little lamb with Jesus, with God as your shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. This is a Sabbath practice of stopping and resting and being still. Not what should I do, how should I live, but how we should be is at peace, at rest, beside the still waters. So to return to John O'Donohue, he says that there is no spiritual journey, which might be jarring to us because we talk about a journey every single week. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Well, what if a relationship with God isn't this unfolding journey at all? He says that if it is a journey, it is one quarter of an inch long. Imagine that. 
The spiritual journey you are on is just only this long, but he says that it is many miles deep. So we come into this unfolding experience of the love of God as something like a deep well, a deep reserve. We don't need to go anywhere to find it. We just come to stillness, to Sabbath rest, and experience the love of God right where we are. He said it's a swerve into rhythm with a deeper nature and presence. And he says the wisdom here is so consoling. You do not have to go away outside of yourself to go into a real conversation with your soul and the mysteries of the spiritual world. The eternal is at home within you. And this is the two pillars of Celtic Christianity and Celtic spirituality, that there is contemplation and embodiment, and that they are one and the same. They are connected. That you can pause in exactly the shape you came in and connect with God right within the sanctuary of your own soul. And to go on, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And now I will lift up this quality of Irish and Celtic spirituality and living that places a great value on a solid sense of humor. And I wonder sometimes if we might miss some of what's underneath this line. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and wonder if God isn't sometimes in the role of a parent with very misbehaving children. One of my favorite jokes these days is to look at my children when they're misbehaving and say to them, who raised you, wolves? that God might feel like that with us, that God looks at the behavior of Christians and says, if for no other reason, you're making me look bad. For my name's sake, you cannot go do these things that are absolutely exactly against the ways I asked you to live and the things that I asked you to do. When you're out there, I don't know, for example, protesting against affordable housing instead of helping to set up refugees for immigrants, you're, guys, you're making me look really bad. Who raised you? Who taught you to live this way? So we walk in the right paths for God's name's sake so that people will be able to look at us. There's that song, they will know we are Christians by our love. May people be able to look at the activities that come out of of First Church and let it be for God's name's sake that they can say, look at how much they are showing God's love, how much they are sharing God's love with the world, with the ways that they are carrying themselves and conducting themselves. And then, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Friends, Brene Brown does some really wonderful work on how it is that you be a good friend. There are so many times that we, or that people, we live alongside, feel as though though they are in the deepest, darkest, shadowiest valley, even the valley of the shadow of death. It's inevitable that we might feel that way at some time. And we cannot, I do not believe that denial is a spiritual practice. We cannot pretend that those places and those times don't exist. Brene Brown talks about authenticity and vulnerability and being willing to sit with people in these really hard times. So even though we feel like we are in the valley of the shadow of death, We can look these places in the eye because we know that God does not sit on some distant throne while we go through it. No, we can say, we affirm with this psalm, 
I fear nothing. I feel, fear no evil, for you are with me. We affirm that God goes with us through all of these hard things, through these hard times, that this is the way to be, to access a deep internal bravery and say, I will fear nothing because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now this little lamb, we have to remember, lambs are really not that smart. So sometimes we're insulted when we think we're being compared to a lamb. But in the relationship between the lamb and the shepherd, the lamb is completely dependent on the shepherd. So the shepherd has these two tools, the rod and the staff. And with one, they keep the little lamb on that right path. Again, the shepherd would look pretty bad if all of their lambs were running in the wrong directions. And the other is actually a protective stick. If there were to be a wolf who would come attack the lamb, the shepherd would be ready to beat off any predator and protect the lamb with that. So as the lamb is resting beside the still waters, it feels consoled and safe because the shepherd is with it, ready to protect it from anything that might attack. Then thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Here we are returned to our humanity. We are now with a host who is welcoming us to a table. Christians very often read this like a communion image. It means that Jesus has invited us to this Lord's Supper and has set a place for you. Even in the presence of your enemies. So having had this battle, imagine you are fleeing away from these predators, these enemies who are attacking you, and it is almost as though this table is like children playing a game of tag and they have reached home base. Nothing can threaten them when they are safe at that table. There is a banquet feast ready for you, and you are welcome there. There is a place with your name on it, a meal all prepared, that this is one of the ways to be. Again, you let the whole outside world fall away and you realize that God has prepared for you everything that you need. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So now goodness and mercy, instead of those enemies that are chasing you down, it is goodness and mercy that it can be translated that are pursuing you, that are chasing you. Instead of an enemy chasing you ready to attack, They have disappeared, and only God's goodness and God's mercy, God's love for you, is chasing along behind you. No matter where you are, you are safe and protected. So one of the reasons that this is so often read as a funeral psalm is this line, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We read this alongside the Gospel of John in the 14th chapter, where Jesus is preparing to say goodbye to his disciples, and he says to them, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. So we read this as, after you die, you will go to this mansion in the sky. That there's a room waiting for you, like a beautiful guest room, also like the place at the table. There is a room waiting for you in the afterlife. But the psalmist and people who had written the psalms at this time had absolutely no concept of heaven the way we have it today. 
And they say, biblical scholars say that a better way to understand this sentence, which is very hard to translate, is, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, like the sanctuary, much like this space. I will dwell in God's holy presence for the length of days. So not just imagining heaven and a time after death, but here and now, for my whole stretch of days, all the days that I have, I will be dwelling in the house of the Lord. So to return to John O'Donohue and his wisdom, he says, There is a place in the soul that neither time nor space nor no created thing can touch. There is a place in you where you have never been wounded, where there is a tranquility in you. He said the intention of prayer and spirituality and love is now and again to visit that kind of inner sanctuary. So friends, how should we be? We should be like people who could experience within our own soul what we can experience in the most sacred times in a sanctuary. That pause in worship, that silent prayer, or that moment when music is transcendent, that purest experience we have of a connection with the divine that can happen right here, How should we be is as people who can tap into that connection with God, no matter where we go and no matter what we do. You could be in your car driving home. You could be at your kitchen table. You could be walking on the beach. You could be at work tomorrow morning. And your soul is God's sanctuary. It is the place where you can access that journey which goes many miles deep. It is that place where Celtic spirituality reminds us it does not matter where you are. It just matters that you are beloved by God and that God wants to be with you. You dwell in the house of the Lord for your length of days because all you need to do is let the world fall away and come into that knowledge and love of God's presence. My favorite benediction is usually attributed to St. Patrick, that Christ is beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over you, behind you to encourage you, beneath you to lift you up, lest you should stumble, before you to show you the way, and within you to give you peace. He says, Christ beside me, Christ above me, Christ around me, Christ within me. And this is at the heart of Christianity, John O'Donohue says, that you have this idea of intimacy, which is true belonging, being seen, the ultimate home of individuation and homecoming. And he says that's what spirituality is at its heart, is a homecoming, a coming home to the sanctuary in your soul. That place where yourself can become refreshed and renewed, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. That no matter where we are, we can become refreshed and renewed and restored, reconnected with God. It is the same essence in this Native American song, except that beauty stands in for Christ. And what John O'Donohue was saying from the beginning is that it is this essential quality of beauty. He says we confuse it with glamour, 
but it is that beautiful essence that we can name as God's presence. So with beauty before me, may I walk. With beauty behind me, may I walk. With beauty below me, may I walk. With beauty above me, may I walk. With beauty all around me, may I walk. In this age-old wandering on a trail of beauty, lively may I walk. In age-old wandering on a trail of beauty, living again, may I walk. Friends, how should we be? We should be people who can say this. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Thanks be to God.